You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. It's Jessie here. I'm just popping into your ears to share one of my favourite episodes of What I Eat When. It's with MasterChef's Diana Chan and it's all about what to eat when your heart is a little bit broken. So often we get advice about, I don't know, what to read or what to watch, and then people say something about ice cream. But this is specific and it is the kind of self-care that we can all get behind. At this time of year, apparently breakups skyrocket, especially around Valentine's Day. And if you're feeling a little bit low in the wake of a breakup, then this kind of advice might really help. So listen to this podcast and make Diana's delicious dessert. This episode of What I Eat When is brought to you by Bunnings Warehouse, where kitchens are made for real life. Hi, I'm Sylvia Carlucker. I share my life with one husband, three children, one dog and one guinea pig. And what we all have in common is a burning love for food. And this is what I eat, when. Every week I'll be joined by a guest who'll take me through what they eat, when, because even the simplest of meals tells a story. And my guest matches four moods with a favorite meal, from being homesick to celebrating or being on holiday. And of course, at the end, we'll have a recipe to try at home. And this week, I'm joined by my beautiful friend, 2017 champion of MasterChef Australia and host of Asia Unplated, Diana Chan. (laughs) Hi, Diana. Hi, Sylvia. So, Diana, I would like to ask you, when did you discover this passion for food? Um, I guess growing up in like an Asian household, so both parents Malaysian, grew up in Malaysia, lived there until I was 18 and then moved to Australia. It's one of those things in an Asian household that everything happens at the dinner table. So we talk about food, we talk about our daily activities, school, work life, love life, everything, and it all revolves around the dinner table. So one thing my mom always did, like, and as kids, like we can go out and do whatever we want during the day, But when it comes to dinner time, we have to have dinner together. So I think that's where my passion for, you know, just appreciating like good food and good produce basically comes from. And so dinner time became a moment to to share what's been happening during the day with your family. Like I think my oldest memory of food would have to be having dinner with the family every single night. Um, especially Mondays to Fridays and then the weekends you know like you can go out and hang with your friends but Mondays to Fridays is always dinner with the family at home. And I love that watching stalking your (laughs) Instagram like I do. (laughs) It seems to me like you still do this and every meal that you prepare every night however simple it is even if it's takeaway (laughs) it becomes a little bit of a of a of an event where you set the table and you plate it up really beautifully and it becomes an opportunity to create a new memory. Yeah, and I think, you know, my parents both love entertaining. Um, so when I was a kid, like I always remember like having a party at my house was always so stressful because 
we had to, she would take out her, you know, beautiful noritake plates and then, you know, have to lay the tablecloth and polish the silver and lay out all the linen. And it's just like, oh my gosh, why is this such an ordeal? But I didn't realize obviously how important all these things is until I have my own home and, you know, put food on the table. Then I realized like, okay, well, I'm so glad that my mum and dad taught me how to do that because I want to teach my kids in the future how to do that as well. It's it's a tradition. I can completely relate to you. And I think that is why my mum, when, when we were growing up and I had uh, two older siblings, so it was the five of us and we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, my mum and dad didn't entertain that much because every time they did, it was an ordeal for us kids. It was literally yes. just days and days of preparation and everything from the curtains to the windows had to be washed <laughs> and scrubbed. And what at the time seemed like an unnecessary chore, now I know was a language of love as yeah. much as the food that mom would then prepare and she would slave and slave for days in the kitchen. I remember she wouldn't really eat much of it and I used to think, but why wouldn't she want to eat it? But it's probably more because it is an act of love. It comes out of generosity and wanting to gift other people. Well, that's probably because she was slaving in the kitchen the whole day. And that's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> By the time everybody was sitting down, she probably just wanted to have a cigarette. Yeah, right. <laughs> A shot of tequila. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you some quick fire question, and I would love for you to answer as quickly as possible. Just go with your guts. What's the first thing you ate today? Um, oh, my God. I don't think I've eaten anything today. What? Um, I'm, I've, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. What did I have? Oh, I had um, some hummus and bread. That's what I have. Oh, that counts. That's so also super nutritious. I fast for like 14, 16 hours. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, I just like I have a black coffee with me. Yeah. But today I had a picnic, so I just had some yeah bread and hummus. <laughs> that was it. You, you fast after you've had dinner the night before. You take 16 hours of... Um... Well, usually it's like between 12 to 14. I try and do 14. If I can do 16, amazing. But... 14 is like the cutoff. Yeah. I have tried to do that too. And I have to say, when I was able to stick to it, I really enjoyed the benefits of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got three kids and there's always leftover on their plates and I'm an Italian mama. And so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm eating their leftovers and it's like, I mean, I feel like I should deserve my own plate uh, too, but it's this thing where you don't want things to go wasted and sin. So all of a sudden you're breaking your fast and you go like, "Mm, no. (laughs) What is the first thing you've ever cooked? Apple pie. Oh, wow. When I was nine. (laughs) Can you, do you remember that recipe? Oh, do I remember the recipe? Well, it would have been like a short cross pastry. So butter flour a bit of ice water, pinch of salt. And then the apples I would cook with like some cinnamon and some maybe like a star anise and some cloves. And then I would have raisins always, but the, I cut them up. My mum too. Yeah, so when I was, that was, you know, free flow, whatever you want. You could, and I was nine when I did it because I used to love baking when I was a kid. So it was always apple pie, shortbread cookies. Oh, yeah. Um, and pineapple tarts, like just little cookie stuff. 
It's funny you mention both the apple pie and the shortbread cookies because those are the first things that really? I learned to make too because my mom yeah. makes a mean apple pie. And like you, she puts the raisins in, but she oh. soaks them in marsala. Oh, oh my oh, God. Stop it. I made a fruit cake um, a few weeks ago. I soaked all the fruits for two weeks in some Pedro Jimenez. <gasps> Stop it. That's going to be okay. Good. I'm going to visit for Christmas. Like, <laughs> what is the last thing you cooked apart from last, the Christmas cake? Last thing I cooked would have been um, yes, oh, Wednesday. I made Japanese. Oh. So I had a, a Japanese feast. So I did agedashi tofu, chow mushi, and tempura. And we had some teriyaki chicken as well. <laughs> oh. Because why not? Because why not? How fantastic. We'll be back after a message from our sponsor, Bunnings Warehouse. If you're inspired by the delicious meals and recipes we're talking about, but not with your kitchen, then it's time to find the kitchen that's right for you. From start to finish, Bunnings Warehouse kitchen experts can help you plan, design, deliver and install your dream kitchen. I recently renovated my own kitchen and got my new kitchen sink and tiles from Bunnings. It was easy to find exactly what I wanted and at the right price. With quality product and continual value every day, Bunnings has everything you need to bring your dream kitchen to life. Book an appointment in store or online with one of Bunnings Warehouse Kitchen Consultants today. Now, let's get into uh, the meaty, juicy questions okay. and let's match some of your favorite foods with some of the moods that uh, you've decided to, to chat about. For example, okay. and this is an interesting one, what do you cook or eat, I suppose, when you're on holiday? Oh, my God, I eat junk when I'm on holiday. <laughs> um, so I always order Caesar salad. I don't have it when I'm in Australia or when I'm at home. Like I, I love Caesar salad, but it's just that one thing that I would always have on holidays, Caesar salad. Do you have it from a hotel menu? Yes, always. You order it from a hotel, room service. I'm such a room service kind of person. And club sandwiches, I love. I, I do that too. Oh. oh my God, we're the same person. Apple pie, Caesar salad and club sandwich. Please tell me that, you know, in, back in the days when we could fly, that you order Bloody Marys on airplanes. Bloody Marys or pina coladas. <laughs> and then like, as the night goes on and we get more lit, I'll have like a Long Island iced tea because, because like. Because, of course. <laughs> you never know when you need one. What do you like to eat when you're alone and no one is looking and you don't have to share? Oh, ooh, when no one is looking. I guess I'm talking about guilty pleasures here. I probably would dig into a whole bag of like salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> nice. Solid choice. Otherwise, I would literally go into my pantry. Okay, it's really weird. I love granola. No, that's not weird at all. That sounds great. It sounds kind of healthy though. I was hoping for some <laughs> dirt here. Oh, it's semi-healthy. It's semi-healthy, but like there's so much like sweet. But I love making granola and I love like... Cookies. I have such a weak like spot for cookies. So if I had cookies, I, I literally would go and take a cookie and break a bit and a bit and a bit like 
as if to make me feel better, like I'm not eating the whole cookie. (laughs) But by the end of the day, I would have had 10 cookies. So what's the point? All right. (laughs) What do you like to eat when you're short on time? Okay. So I always, always and have always loved seafood. I can have seafood every day, right? In my freezer now, currently, I have abalone, some scallops, some bugs, some oh wow trout. That's a big freezer as well. Well, we've got two freezers, and I always have seafood. I'm stocked with seafood more often than not. I'll have you know enough to make a few meals, so I always have seafood, and I'll you know take seafood out. And within a couple of hours, it defrosts. It's really quick and it's really simple. And I love cooking with it. It's just really good flavor. How do you cook it simply and quickly when you're in a hurry? Like fish on the on a pan, grill, crispy skin, done. Like within less than 15 minutes, the fish will be done. And I'll make a salad on the side or, um, you know, sweet potatoes, whatever. I'll roast veggies or something. Sounds also very nutritious and like very sound as a choice. <laughs> But sometimes I would do like, you know, like a, I did on Monday, I did a marinara. So I had like, you know, scallop, some fish and some prawns. So I chucked it all in together and made like pasta marinara. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, actually, no. If I'm really short on time, I would actually have two minute noodles. I love that you're saying that. This is coming up more and more frequently. And it's one of my guilty pleasures as well. Like we have so much two minute noodles here. Um well, I try not to eat it that much because of, like, it's not good for you. Like, it's so high in salt. But if I'm, like, really in a rush, like, I'll chuck, you know, some, uh, an egg in and, like, some... You pimp it up. In. I pimp it up. Like, so then it's, like, really good. See, that's what I didn't know you could do with two-minute noodles. I've recently discovered them and, quite frankly, quite enjoy them. But oh, I didn't know that. Good. I didn't think that I could pimp them up. Yeah, they're totally good do and so handy and cooks in no time. <laughs> What do you like to eat when you're sick or if someone you love is not feeling well, what do you like to make for them? Well, when I'm sick, I really don't feel like eating, if I'm mm. going to be perfectly honest. Um, so I. But what if the sickness is the sickness of the heart? What if you're not feeling a bit sad or heartbroken? Oh, or well, sick? if it's heartbroken, I would drink. <laughs> <laughs> Liquid dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think when I'm when I'm not feeling well, I would always want to have something like really light, like a broth or, um, you know, some kind of soup, like a pumpkin soup or something just warming with a piece of toast or uh, even congee, like porridge or something like that. Just really light, but still flavorful. What I'm finding really fascinating and is that, you know, you and I come from, you know, very different cultures. I'm Italian, you're Malaysian, and we both have found ourselves in Australia and yes. made our lives here. And although we come from such different backgrounds, we have so much in common in terms of what food represents to us and how we match it with the various moods that we go through in our lives, even, you know, from baking an apple pie as the first thing that we've ever baked as as children to the the comforting nourishment of a broth or a soup or (laughs) two-minute noodles. (laughs) It's so interesting because so many cultures like cross each other and, you know, have like very lots of similarities. And Mm. even though the flavors might be different, there's a lot of things that are so familiar within different cultures and ethnicities, which I think is I think because the sentiment yeah. is very similar 
and then we might use different ingredients to express that same yes. desire, but it sprouts from the same need, the same urge yeah. or urgency. Speaking of which, I think if that's okay with you, I would like to go back to your time growing up in Malaysia and whether you would like to share a particular memory of a family meal that you can think of when you feel particularly nostalgic. So there's this one dish that is probably my death row dish. It's tamarind fish and my mum would always make it for me every time I go back to Malaysia to visit the family, without fail. Like she always makes this one dish. It's a particular dish that is from our heritage, so a, a Peranakan cuisine, which is a subculture in, in Malaysia. So you've got like three predominant races, Malays, Indians, Chinese, and under that you have another subculture called the Peranakan. So that's what we are, right? And so... Okay. So the, the food is sort of like a mix with the local Malay cuisine and like Chinese heritage. So it's quite, it's a mishmash of both, but then it's super spicy. So I started eating chilies when I was three years old. Like, so I found out like in recent years that when I was a kid, because I was a very, I was very naughty. I was very cheeky. I still am. I can't imagine that <laughs> at all. And, and um, I had like a, a, like a nanny. And she she was Indian. She's Indian. So she used to feed me curries when I was a kid. Like when I was three years old, I started eating curries. So like <laughs> it just does not affect me. I I mean, unless I had some, you know, some serious amount of heat, then of course. But yeah, so anyway, this dish, this tamarind fish dish called Asam Padas is something my mum would always make for me. And I think my fondest memory of eating with her or like being in the kitchen with her is that particular dish. And I love it so much. Like I've cooked it for so many dinner parties for so many friends and not one person doesn't like it. So yeah, for me, that's like something that I'm very proud of, of my heritage and of what mum makes for me that, you know, I love to share with others. I love the idea of uh, of sharing your mum's legacy through yeah. this beautiful dish that you're now offering to your friends and your loved ones. And yeah. it's a, basically, it's a gift that keeps on giving. You know, I think with sort of cultures like that, like, because, you know, traditional cooking is like a dying art. You know, there's always this quick cooking methods and all these sort of like gimmicks and like shortcuts and yeah it's good to have shortcuts but then it's also good to like slave over the stove for three or four hours cooking one dish and I think that's so and tap important. into that culture yes and I think that's so important and I you know for me it's like a big ordeal to do a Malaysian feast because I have to be in the kitchen the whole day cooking up you know but then I would do big batches of it and but then that's like I feel so happy when I do it because it's like it's not only tastes good but it's like nostalgic and it brings back so many good memories. I love that. It's almost as if uh, food is one part nutrition, one part emotion. Yes. And on a on a day-to-day basis we decide which one we need the more. Yeah. You know, um, on a day-to-day basis we decide which one we need the most, whether we're in a hurry and yeah, we've just I been training it. and we need a quick feed just to nourish our body or whether we need a sit-down, calmer moment where we nourish our souls. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's two very different things. And 
you know, whatever it is, it will always be tasty, right? I think with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Now, speaking of tasty, I have been uh, told that there's a certain sour cherry galette recipe Ooh. that you are going to be sharing with us. And I am so excited. Yeah. Sour cherry is just one of the most wonderful ingredients. Well, so how do you turn that into a galette? Sure. A galette is basically like a French uh, pastry that is made from short crust pastry and any sort of like stone fruits or you can use berries even if you want it. Um, I think it's one of those desserts that always impresses. It is so easy to make if you're not making the pastry from scratch, of course. Um, I often <laughs> have um, really good short crust pastry in the freezer. So I'll take that out. You can make it as big or as small as you want, um, but just make sure that you have enough space to fill the fruits. And is it one of those freeform tarts where you don't have to have particular skills to roll it out or make it look pretty? Yes. All you need is like you can use a rolling pin. Even if you don't have a rolling pin, just use a wine bottle. You can use a wine bottle. Ah! <laughs> Jinx. Anything, any kind of bottle, tequila bottle, whatever, like. Absolutely. You need a bit of muscles, roll it out. Even if you don't have anything to cut it, like you can just use a bowl, flip it over or a pan and then flip it over and then just make a circle out of that. Oh, yeah. Good tip. It doesn't have to be a circle. It can be a square. It can be a rectangle. It can be triangle, right? Like it can be any kind of shape. It's very creative like that. In Italian cuisine, we call it rustico, rustic, which is rustico. like anything it. goes. It's very forgiving. I agree. So anything goes. Then you need your fruits. So I tend to have like berries, frozen berries in the fridge, sour cherries. Um, and I like the tartness of sour cherries. Um, so what you do, if you find it too tart, you can sprinkle some caster sugar over it and just like mix it through. We can use things like peaches, nectarines, mm. beautiful. You can do apple. You can even do pineapple. If you use peaches or nectarines, can you give us like an accompaniment of flavor? Like, you know how with apple you would suggest cinnamon or yes. with strawberries you would suggest lemon. Is there something that goes really well with peaches? Yeah, I think thyme goes oh. very well with peaches. Thyme, That's very um, interesting. Yeah, and even like rosemary goes very well. So, But not too much, just a little bit. But thyme is so good. I, I love when I do like poached peaches, I always put like a few sprigs of thyme in and they just go, they taste so good. Apple, you can put nutmeg as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's like it's endless. Sometimes it's um, like fennel is also a good one, but I would say just use it sparingly because. Um, you mean fennel can, fronds or fennel seeds? Fennel, fennel seeds. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I just bits up fennel seeds and I put it in with my dessert, like any f stone fruits. Just to give um, it like a little touch of uh, savory like undetected like, savory yeah because i know it's got the aniseed kind of mm. the aniseed kind of flavor and it goes so well with fruits because it that slight savory note but it's still a sweet spice so when it pairs with yeah. the sweet it goes perfectly well so yeah any kind of spice that you find like nutmeg cinnamon whatever um, mix that through and then pop it onto your short cross pastry and then you just have to fold the edges in. You don't so you have don't to have to mix the fruit with any thickener like flour or um, cornstarch? You can put some corn out. Yeah, depends on the fruit you're using as well. Like say something like berries or cherries or 
especially if they're frozen, what happens is there's a lot of liquid in it. Yeah. So the cornflour will just like suck it up. But if you're using things like, you know, if you're using things like apple, you're fine. Okay. Like a fresh, you know, fresh apple, that's fine. Um, if you're using a pineapple, I would suggest, yes, put some cornflour. So things that have more liquid, just add. Because like, otherwise a, the pastry goes a bit soggy. Soggy, that's it. Yeah. This is making me very hungry and I've had lunch. You haven't really. You've just had some hummus. I don't know how you are going, but this is torture for me. (laughs) I'm going to have a big lunch after this. (laughs) That's really good to know. And then, okay, so you fold the pastry around the filling. Do you sprinkle it with sugar? Do you brush it with egg? You do? Yes, yep. definitely brush it all over with some egg and then cubes of butter. And this, the oh. butter has to be cold because when it goes into the oven, it's going to melt. You don't need a lot. You just need like a, a small handful, so about 50 grams or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that just makes it a bit more, that gives it that sort of rich, lustrous taste, you know. And then, yeah, yeah just the brush the pastry on the outside with some egg wash. and Or you can, if you don't want to use egg wash, you can just spray it with some oil like any neutral oil pop it in the oven it should take around depending on the fruit it should take around anywhere between 35 to 45 minutes to cook through and also depending on the size of course on the size that sounds absolutely beautiful and um to summer with the abundance of stone fruit and then cherry season probably a wonderful excuse to bake with the beautiful summer produce And I think it's one of those like really quintessentially French, but also just like you can make it so uh, summery by changing it with the different fruits that you use and then just have it with ice cream, have it with cream even. You can even have it with sour cream, creme fraiche. And instead of something that's creamy just to give it that offset, that balance, yogurt even, perfect. And it's a beautiful creative way, you know, for people who might not feel like they uh, can bake, you know, just buy some pre-made short crust pastry, the fruit of your choice, mix it up, one or two tablespoons of corn flour if needed, maybe even some vanilla. That would be nice. Even like a a zest of Zest uh, of something, yes. and this is where you can go, like I always say, like a recipe is there just for guidance and yes. you can free reign and, you know, free flow, whatever you want. You, you can just make it your own and uh, have a play. Have a play. And look, if you have a play and it turns into a disaster, don't let that hurt you too much because be assured that myself and I'm sure Diana and everybody who cooks professionally, we have disasters at least once or twice a week. Like I, you know, I've recently burnt a batch of meatballs. I mean, I make meatballs all the time. It's, it's, it's a learning curve. Next time you're not going to make that mistake. Don't let that stop you from trying to enjoy uh, the pleasure of home cooking. And if you do make this recipe, please send us a photo to yes. podcast at mamamia.com.au. If you post it on Instagram, please tag us. We want to see your creations. If you have a similar recipe, share it away. We want to spread the love of the galette. I am so excited that Diana um, came to talk to us today. It's been such a joy and a pleasure. I could literally go on for hours and hours. I know. So if you are listening and you feel like making this recipe or a similar galette recipe, please Please take a pic and send it to podcast at mamamia.com.au. And if you post it on Instagram, 
Tag us. We want to see your creations. If you have a similar recipe to share, please share it away. Let's spread the love of the galette. Thank you so much, Diana, for coming on What I Eat When and chatting to us about all things food and memories and special moments. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I wish we could talk for hours and hours and you know over a glass of wine, but that will happen soon, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we will make that happen very soon. We're well overdue. I am Sylvia Karluka and you've been listening to What I Eat When. Subscribe, share and enjoy wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of What I Eat When was brought to you by Bunnings Warehouse, where kitchens are made for real life.